Hey everybody, welcome back to the Just the Two of Us podcast where you know the deal. It's just the two of us. I am John. And I am Nate. And it's just the two of us, except tonight we've got a special guest in studio, Mr. Jason Jack. And he is the executive director of the Red Wing Environmental Learning Center, or ELC, as some of you know it. Uh, welcome in, Jason. Thanks for coming down. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks. So uh, <coughs> we are very interested in the program, uh, but first I'd like to hear kind of how it all started for you or how you got involved. Were you, did you go through the program yourself? I did, yeah. As a, as a 12-year-old, my mother said, hey, you know, there's this ELC program that does outdoor things that I think you'd like, and I said, sign me up. And that's where it started, and, and I went on to get a degree in this and fortunate enough to get hired back here. What, what year did the program start? program started in 1970. Yeah. Okay. So this is the fifty-second year, and that was just some started by someone that was interested to teach others. So it, it started really with Marge Vogel, okay, um, and she was doing art in the park. Okay, and uh, people would come up to her and they'd say to her, "Marge, you live in such a beautiful. I mean, you've got the river, you've got the bluffs, you've got the hardwood forest, you've got everything right here." And that really made Marge um, take stock in that and kind of go, "You know, we really need to make sure our young people really know about this and appreciate this because it is a yeah. very special place." And so she went to the shoe company and said, hey, I've got this idea for an ELC. And they were starting to pop up in the 1970s. Was, there was a lot of them. Okay. And uh, the shoe said, yep, we'll fund it for five years. <laughs> and then she went to the school and said, you know, Dr. Melsness, who was the superintendent at the time, you know, would you support this as kind of a school program? And he said, yeah, but let's keep it outside of the school. Let's make it its own nonprofit, mm, okay. um, which I think from a superintendent standpoint is, is brilliant because with budget cuts and everything else, it would yep. have been cut eventually. Yeah, right. So, might, have, might have led to the long life it's had. So the shoe company was involved from day one with this. From day one. Oh, so that's pretty cool. Yep. I didn't know that. Yep. They're still our largest donor. Yeah. And uh, just we couldn't do it without them. Okay. What a great partnership. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so you uh, so you went through the program. Do you remember any trips that really stand out to you as, <laughs> <laughs> as you, a young boy? Yeah, you know, the trips you remember are the ones where something extreme happens yeah, right? you don't remember the blueberry days no, yeah, right. the, just the beautiful days <laughs> yep. um yeah so there's a few of those where it was it was pretty hard um we had a dog come into our winter camping one time and eat all of our breakfast sausages <laughs> no no five pounds of hamburger and these breakfast sausages were more like brats okay yeah. and they ate all of them oh he's having the time of his life <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah he was hurting the, that night oh, so. I bet. <laughs> uh, and back then were the trips as extensive as they are now yeah, I mean, it's, uh, they're very similar. Okay. Um, I think we're doing some different things now than mm-hmm. we did back then. Obviously, um, skills and, and different things evolve as time goes along. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they were still pretty extensive and, and hands-on, you know, immersive types of programs. Yep. Yeah. Is this kind of classified as, not that it is, but like a survival training too almost? You know, I, I wouldn't call it that so much. Okay. Um, really, what we want to do is introduce kids to the outdoors gotcha. and through that we hope that they'll have through a connection with that they'll have a deeper appreciation and respect okay and they'll be more motivated to protect it or to yeah. do things that are to share that with other people Absolutely. Um, so really that's our, our goal is to you know, we're not trying to crank out future outdoor leaders but no. a lot of these people get degrees or go into fields where it has a, a an impact yeah and i think that even more so you know, we talk about these as not ELC skills, but life skills. So it's the ability to persevere through something. It's the working with other people, the teamwork, yeah, the communication, you know, knowing that, you know, hey, this is tough, but I can get through this really translates to success in life, you know, in many ways. So yeah, it's not what we're trying to do, but that yep. is a definite outcome of what they're taking away. Which is definitely a plus. Oh, yeah. 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 Our kids are, are doing amazing things. Do a lot of the kids come back and contribute in some way? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got members on the board right now. Okay. Um, you know, they contribute their expertise in, in various ways for programs yep. and support it financially. I mean, yeah, they they, they drank the Kool-Aid, they get it. Yep, you, yep. Know? you don't have to sell them on it. They kind of go, yep, I right. know why you're doing this. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it seems to me with a program like that, the uh, skills would probably stay about the same. I mean, materials might change or some of the, the uh, uh, procedures might update, but... I mean, overall, being out there taking trips like that, it seems like that's kind of doesn't change a whole lot. No, 
And that's the, kind of the constant. Food, you know, shelter, and, water. Yep. Yep. And Mother Nature really is the greatest equalizer. I mean, it's, sure. you know, yeah. she doesn't care how rich you are, how poor you are, what color your skin is. It yeah. doesn't matter. No. When you're wet, you're wet. When you're cold, you're cold. And <laughs> right. There's no easy button out there. Nope. No. Nope, there isn't. There's no beam me up, Scotty. And there's something to be said about that, too, is doing things that are hard. Um, like you mentioned, the kids kind of drink the Kool-Aid. But getting out there and doing things that are hard and maybe out of your comfort zone is helpful for um, for a lot of different things, like you said, life skills or even like down to your mental health um, and overall health is yeah. to get out there because a lot of the things outdoor are exercise. I mean, that's just the nature of it. And you're in beautiful places with amazing kids, sure. you know, canoeing, kayaking, yeah. doing different yeah. things. I mean, it's just you're Hard in a great spot. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I pinch myself that this is, this is what I get to do for a living. I bet. And you said that you uh, got a degree. Yep. And what is the title of the degree for? So I, I got my undergrad from uh, Northland College, and it's in outdoor education. Where okay. is that one? Uh, it's in Ashland, Wisconsin. Okay. <laughs> so right on Lake Superior. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got my master's in education administration through Mankato State. Okay. So that's kind of what brought me full circle here. Sure. And when did you assume the role of executive director? 2000. So Bruce retired, and Bruce Ozzie, who was the first director from 1970 to 2000, so 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, only director that we'd had till that point kind of thing so those were some big shoes to step into yeah i bet i mean is there a manual he wrote a lot of lessons (laughs) down for you in or is it hey jump in you'll figure it out he he gave me some good advice he said you can only do the same thing for so long (laughs) and then you got to change it so that was about the only piece of advice he gave me okay but uh yeah i still talk to him from time to time and he stops in every now and then and awesome just a wise old man of the woods to be honest with you so cool Yeah. yeah How do you keep things fresh with the program? I mean, are you constantly researching on new things you can do and places to go? You know, I really lean on my staff. I've got some amazing staff that, you know, I encourage them to try new and different things. And so, you know, recently, probably in the last three years, we added sailing as a a program. You know, that never was a program that we did before. But again, living right next to Lake Pepin. Yeah. um, We found somebody that actually wanted to donate a sailboat. And then Hanson Harbor has been donating the slip for us. It just became a logical thing that we should try this and, and... Right now, we've got uh, six students and one of our staff up sailing on Lake Superior for 10 days. Oh, really? Um, they're on their instructor's trip right now. They're, they're circumnavigating uh, Isle Royale. Oh, cool. So so that's their instructor's trip this summer. Okay. So, so yeah, so the sailing has really been one of those new things. Yep. But, uh, you know, the other things, canoeing, kayaking, those are things we've done forever. Yeah, bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and being as close as we are to the... The Boundary Waters, that's got to be a plus for the program, right? It is. Yeah, yeah, I just saw that it's the most visited national system, park system sure. in all of the U.S. That's wild. Interesting. I didn't know that. It does yeah. get busy up there, though. It does, yeah. But there's enough room that everybody can just spread out. Yeah, no <laughs> yep. kidding. <laughs> yep, nope, it's a beautiful place. And we use it both in the winter and in the summer. Hmm. So we go winter camping up there, and then we do uh, canoe trips in the summertime. Oh, okay. What other uh, programs do you do in the, in the winter? In the winter, cross-country skiing okay. um, is a big one. Um, we have a cabin up in two harbors that we oh. built uh, probably 15 years ago now. Okay. And uh, we utilize that for a bunch of different programs because it's just a great spot to be in the wintertime is, is up there in the North Woods. Yeah, no kidding. So, yeah. Um, fishing, ice fishing uh, would be another winter yep. type program. So Ice climbing. Ice climbing, yeah. <laughs> we have ice climbing too. Yep. <laughs> That's like an extreme one, right? It is, but we can actually do it right here in Red Wing as well. So oh, cool. That's pretty cool to have that right here. But yeah, yeah, no kidding. It's a it's a fun fun activity to do. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> you know, and again, with the shoe company, that's kind of a natural for us to do something where we can climb and use you know their boots that they've made over the years. Oh, okay. So we use those for for ice climbing. Give them a good testing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Provide some feedback. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. And uh, and the program starts pretty young, right? I mean, as far as the age of the kids? Yep. So we start with second graders. We call that our tiny trees. So second and third graders are what we call tiny trees. Um, then it goes uh, fourth and fifth graders are our young explorers. Okay. And then uh, sixth grade and up is just kind of our core programming. That's that's really been our bread and butter. That's what we've done since 1970. Um, kind of those younger ones, the young explorers and the tiny trees is something new. Okay. To yeah. try and kind of stretch that. And even the adult programs, you know. Prior to 2000, we didn't do many adult programs. Okay. So. And the real the younger ones, um, I think you said second and third grade, 
that's more of like an introduction, right? I'm not doing anything too extensive, but no, just showing them what's two to out three there. hours, and and it's you know beachcombing, it's insects, yep. it's maybe some art projects. Sure. You know, there's certainly a different yeah. animal, so to speak, but they just certainly have a shorter attention span. That's they do. true. <laughs> so you keep things moving. Yep. And it seems in sixth grade and older, it seems like they are. At that age, you can start showing an, an actual interest in the outdoors and doing some outdoor things. So that makes sense that they would, uh, that that would be uh, kind of the age where you start getting them on some more serious uh, trips or or things like that. Yep. And and really the again kind of going back to Marge and and focusing on Red Wing. So all of our our first levels all focus on Red Wing. So we don't really okay. leave the Red Wing area per se for that level one. And then level two goes a little farther away and becomes a little more challenging. And then level three would be the trips to the Boundary Waters, and they'd be longer in duration. So the kids kind of work their way up through the program, through that duration of, you know, it's longer, it's more challenging. Um, but they did it before, and they succeeded, and that's how we kind of keep moving them, kind of putting that carrot out in front of them. Okay. So And then the instructor's program is kind of that that capstone program. That's that final carrot kind of thing. After they've done all the level threes, the longer trips, now we bring them back more as like a mentor to the young kids. Oh, okay. And so they serve that leadership role. And they kind of get to see how they were when they were in sixth grade. Sure. It's, it's an eye-opening thing. It's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. I wasn't really like that, was I? It's like, <laughs> yeah, you were exactly like that. Yep. Um, so as far as the instructors go, what kind of training are those guys going through? So we do some special first aid training with them um, so that they kind of understand what's, what's going on. We typically in the wintertime will uh, take them out and find thin ice and have them fall through. Mm. Um, oh, okay. To be honest with you, if you spend enough time outdoors – and you're on ice, it's not a matter of if you're going to fall through, it's when. Right. It's sure. going to happen eventually. And so if you can have them prepared mentally for it and have it a safe situation where they can kind of experience that and the rest of the group can experience that, it's invaluable. You know. Yeah. So we do that in the wintertime as we try and find thin ice, have them fall through. Certainly they're tethered and they've got a life jacket and things on, but mm-hmm. they still get the feeling of what ice cold water is yeah, like yeah. and what it does to your body when you fall into right. it. Yeah, right. Yeah, because that's half the battle. Is uh, Well, half the battle is getting yourself back out. Uh, and the other half is is um, fighting off that hypothermia. Well, and I would even say the first step is just mentally staying calm so you can handle sure, things. Yeah. And, and so if you've done this, now you kind of know what to expect, and it's not a little surprise. It's like, okay, I've, I've done this before. Sure. Here's what I need to do. Yeah, make and it then, a little more instinctual. Yep. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I heard it on Mythbusters once, and I tell my oldest Keston once in a while that the the first to panic is the first to die. Yep, <laughs> mm. it truly is. And I don't know if he's taking that to heart yet, but... <laughs> Because he panics a lot still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, what do you have going on this summer? We've had biking programs. We've got a group out right now, sea kayaking. They're going from Wabasha to Winona. Oh, wow. Um, so they'll finish up tomorrow. Um, like I said, the instructor trip's out right now. And then we've got another real popular one is catfishing. Okay. Um, so we're going to take the kids out and we'll, they stay up all night. And what sixth grader doesn't want to stay up <laughs> yep. all night? Right. You know, mom doesn't have to tell them to go to bed. And it's like, nope, you can sit up all night and watch that pole and yep. and catch some catfish. So you're going from the shore? Yeah, we just fish from shore. Yeah. Sure. We just set up camp and that way if they do want to go to sleep or they get tired, they can lay down. And hmm. so. Do any of them try to go noodling, sticking their arms in those holes? We didn't. We're not doing that. <laughs> no. Nope. Not doing that. <laughs> That's a stretch. But. Yep. But we did catch a lot last year. We had two groups last year, and I think between the two groups, we caught about five or six catfish. Awesome. So each each group caught some. So That's got to liven up the night a little bit. It does. It Wake gets everybody, everybody up. Yep. yep. It gets everybody going. But yeah, you just have snacks and have a fire going, and yep. it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. That group that's going from uh, Wabasha to Winona, sea yep. kayaking, how long does that take them? Uh, it'll be three days. So they left Wednesday, and they'll get there Thursday late afternoon. Okay. So they paddle and find a place to set up camp? Yeah, there's plenty of sandbars and stuff along the way to, oh, cool. to call camp kind of thing. And the fun part is they have to go through, I think it's three or four locks. Oh. Um, so they'll lock through and, and oh, move down. And I don't know how well I do with that. Yeah. Seems creepy, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Sitting in the lock in a kayak. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> is that something, um, so I'm sure that trip has been done before. So you, the instructors have an idea of where a good camp is going to be. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've kind of figured those things out and marked them. And, again, as, as one of the staff is, you know, going down the river this, you know, week, he'll look at it and decide, you know, yeah. hey, given how it looks, this is the best spot to camp. Sure. So. I suppose you got to contend with water levels once in a while as well. Yeah, and right now they're down, so there's actually even more beach. 
Hmm, than usual. So, yeah. You know, and the staff we've got, I mean, Chad's been with us for 23 years now, I think, and Brad's been with us for 22, yep. 21, somewhere in there. So They know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. They've, they've, this isn't their first rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> and you said there's a group uh, sailing right now? There is, yeah. Okay. Um, how is the acquisition of the like the boat? Is that uh, – d- does the ELC have a boat that they use, or do you find one to rent, or how does it work? Up on Lake Superior? Yeah. So ironically enough, we have a, a former f- field instructor for the ELC and alumni for the ELC that has a boat up on Lake Superior. Oh, perfect. And so we, we contacted him and said, hey – and he's got a captain's license and everything. So sure. Okay. So we went through him and, and are using him, but one of our staff now has his captain's license as well. So we have some options there. But for this one, you know, the timing and everything, we went with Mark Gordon. Um, he's originally from Red Wing. Okay. Um, he was my field instructor when I was a student in the program. So Cool, cool. So it's pretty cool. And I know these kids are having a great time because I had a great time when I was with him. So yeah. yeah. As long as the wind is blowing. Yep. Yeah. Always blowing up there, I think. <laughs> it is. <laughs> And I don't think that water gets very warm either. No. And it's it's a bit of a challenge. It's a, God, I think it's like a 10-hour crossing out to Isle Royale from uh, Grand Marais. That's a long ways. And it's yeah. even longer coming back in because usually the winds are coming out of the west there, so they've got to tack a few more times okay. to kind of make that. Yeah. So I think it's like a 12-hour boat ride coming back. Hmm. And it's not like you're just sitting there taking in the view either. No. I mean, you're working on a sailboat, <laughs> Sometimes, right? Sometimes, yeah. It's, yeah. It's not a lot of work, but it's... Okay. You've got to work through it, and you've got to, you know, tack and, and things as you move through. So. And as you're sailing uh, and trying to find that island out there, I mean, navigation must be a big part of it too. Yep, yep. So they'll use charts and they'll they'll use compasses, but they'll also have, you know, they have nav- Navionics, which is, you know, basically computer programs that will help them pinpoint sure. shallow spots and different things so it's safe. So those are all tools that they have, and again, Back in the day, computers weren't part of that equation, but they are now. Yep. Sure. Yeah, on a safety standpoint, that makes sense. Because when you first said uh, Navitronics, I said, cover it up. Make them use their compass. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, right. I mean, to keep people safe from uh, from uh, bottoming out is probably a good idea. Well, it's, I think all the, the technology and all the improvements that you've had, you know, you use all the tools you can yeah. to keep it as safe as you can. And oh, absolutely. it's part of the world. But, you know, certainly cell phones aren't on trips. You know, we don't have, yeah. I mean, our staff have cell phones, but they're tucked away in case of an emergency, but students aren't allowed to bring cell phones and things on trips. Okay. So this is really their opportunity to disconnect and reconnect with each other, and, yep. and we really take that seriously. Uh, yeah, I think that's a great rule. Yeah. Yeah. Have you read the, there's a, a book out called The Comfort Crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does some, in that book, he Uh, I just read that recently, so I'll probably reference that a few times. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good book. I mean, a really good book. Um, But he mentions that, you know, as as much as we talk about how screens are bad for us, um, you know, the more prevalent thing is the things, not the bad things that it does to us, but the things that we're missing because of it, and that's being outdoors. Uh, And he talks a little bit about, um, there's kind of a understanding of a three-day rule that when you're out in that, wilderness or in the environment deep enough for uh, uh, you know the studies show three days that uh your brain waves and, and patterns start to change a little bit out there do you notice that on oh, trips absolutely really absolutely mm-hmm. very yeah. cool yeah there's a complete difference and the longer route they're just able to connect to each other and they start sure. having fun with each other and they're okay just talking to each other yeah you know yeah. instead of texting each other yeah right being present with the people that are and in the, in the space you're at too i mean just enjoying the beauty that surrounds you you know so if yeah. you're busy looking at your screen you're not seeing what's going on around you so right. they have their place absolutely yeah. kind of thing i mean i've got my cell phone and right. i rely on it completely yep you know? <laughs> but i love it when i'm out on trips because i can unplug because it's like nope can't do anything right now yeah where there's no choice yep nope can't use it yeah, and it seems like a program like the ELC is probably more important now as technology grows into being a bigger part of our lives. I mean, it seems like that the ELC is going to have a is going to have an important role uh, for a long time to come. Yeah, you know, I think it was important in 1970 when they started it. Um, but just like you're saying, I think it's even more important now. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because of technology, you know, and computer games are sedentary lifestyles, and COVID. I mean, yeah, all those things have just had a huge impact on on kids and uh i yeah. think a program like this allows them to get out and and reset so to speak right 
Yeah, I mean that's what they talk about. If you're if you get out there long enough, you get kind of a reset of your brain, mm-hmm. and it slows things down a little bit. Almost they uh, li- uh, liken it to uh, meditation, almost. Mm-hmm. And I mean it's the same thing. Um. So there were was it different tiers you have? Was it like a does that we called it a tier one two three? Yeah, really? we call them levels, but okay, level same one. idea. I mean, yep. it's the exact same idea. So level one, two, and three, and, and really we start with kind of intros and explorers, which are just day programs and. It was really a chance for a student to try canoeing before they are committed to a whole week of canoeing. Yeah, right. God, I hate this. I don't want to spend a whole week doing this. Build up the calluses a little bit. A little bit, (laughs) yep. Kind of introduce them. And it allows the staff a chance to kind of see the students and go, yeah, you know, John would do great, but Nate, not so much. Yeah, don't send Put Nate in the front of the boat. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Nate, maybe uh, 50 pounds less in his backpack. (laughs) Yep. Uh, And what are some things that uh, you guys do in the area, kind of close to Red Wing? Canoeing, kayaking, um, backpacking, um, fishing. All of it. Hunting. Yep. I mean, it's it's the gamut of things. It's basically anything non-motorized sure. um, that you can think of. Spelunking, yeah. which is oh, cave yeah. exploration. Yep. Um, it's just, it's a, it goes on and on. I mean, I there's probably hundreds of programs that we've run over the years, you know, and repeat and kind of rinse and repeat and do it again. Yep. And what are the areas around here that you utilize? I mean, the river must be a big one. The Mississippi is a big one. Yep. Um, the bottoms, Cannon Bottoms is what we kind of term our, our the greatest outdoor classroom there could be kind of thing. Sure. There's 2,700 acres there yep. that will never be developed. Yeah. It's right. into the Minnesota Land Trust. And so that's an amazing spot to just go plo- poke around and explore. You know, early on, um, I found a, a beaver lodge. So this is 30 some years ago now. And, uh, it was big enough to fit like eight students inside of. You know, it was oh a, wow! It was a high water lodge, so we could actually find the entrance, and they crawled up in there, and we yep. had like eight kids in there. <laughs> it was amazing. Stinks oh, really, really bad. But yeah, I bet. I bet. But pretty cool to to crawl in there and for the kids to see that. Yeah, and right here, close yeah. to home. Yeah, that is cool. Um, down in Hay Creek too. You yep. That Hay area? Creek. We've got a cabin out there. Oh okay. Um, and we've got another cabin up in Two Harbors. But yeah, we use the Hay Creek Rec area. You know, the Hay Creek stream for for hiking yeah as a kid i remember going creaking all the time and yeah. you know my parents would just let me go out the door and yep see it supper you know <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. it's a totally different world but yeah. kids don't go creaking unless you kind of schedule it so no. you take them creaking and show them what's in there and oh, you know, look awesome. for bugs and yep you know creepy crawly things and <laughs> yeah we did uh maybe about a week ago we we uh we've got three boys we took them down to the uh, down to Hay Creek there and jumped mm-hmm. in and just started walking up the creek, yeah. seeing what we could find. And man, they had a blast. That they is, really do. They just really enjoy it a lot. Mm-hmm. It was cool to see because me and Nate grew up that way. Yeah. And we'd go down to Welch and down to the creek and play and build dams in the river and all sorts of fun stuff. And there's a lot to be said for that. And there's a lot of studies that show that just that unstructured, just that, that free play time yeah. you know, is great for kids and it, it mm-hmm. really helps them and and so that's what we do a lot of and those are some of our best programs to be honest with you where we don't have anything planned it's just like let's sure. just go for a walk go and explore yeah yeah climb a tree yep <laughs> yeah <clears throat> it was funny because you know i think the the joy on their face and and the enjoyment they had was was probably more than they would if i brought them to a water park with slides you know yep. they mm-hmm. were just they were digging into everything and at, can we go over here can we go over there and yeah we just had a riot I love it too that you know our staff. It's not our kids out there, and it's really easy to let other people's kids get totally filthy, muddy, yeah, dirty. You know, yeah, yeah. my own kids, I'd be like, "Don't do that." <laughs> you know, but other people's kids, I'm like, "Yep, go ahead, get yeah, muddy," yeah. and they just look at you like, "Really? I can do this? I can do yeah. that? Yeah. That looks like a pair of bad shoes. Go ahead, yeah, jump go in. ahead." Yep. <laughs> when you're setting up all these programs, like in your newsletters and stuff, are you kind of following the students as you're making all these programs? Specific students, you mean or? Like, so the same students don't see the same programs? Yeah, we do try and rotate things. Some of okay. the core programs we offer every year, but then okay. that's where they would go through those different levels. Gotcha. So, you know, one year they would take level one, the next year would be level two, and the next year would be level three. Okay. And probably in between there somewhere, they might have to wait one year just because of the numbers. Oh, sure. You know, so nobody gets everything kind of thing, but we certainly mm-hmm. look at what they're asking for, and okay. uh, we really try and, and rotate things around. You know, so some of the electives we try and rotate around Okay. so that they might only see that once in three years oh yeah that makes so, sense but the core programs are kind of our, our meat and potatoes okay and yeah so those we run every year 
and uh, that's how we do that. And if they like it, they can sign up for the next level and the yep. next level. Okay. Yep. And usually I tell them that. It's like, you know, if you like level one, you're going to love level two. Yeah. If you yeah. like level two, you're going to love, love level three. three. I mean, it's it's just as more intense and longer, and you, right. know, you just get more of an experience of doing that. But if you didn't like it, you might not want to sign up for it. Right, you know? right. And we certainly want to have a good time. So everything's set up for the kids to succeed, and we really yeah. want them to succeed because if they're failing, they're not going to be happy. They're not going to come back. I mean, right. it's got to be yeah. successful. And so they build upon the skills that they learned in level one. So for like a level one backpacking, they might learn just how do you pack your backpack? How do you set up your tent? Yep. Level two, now we got to get into, we can't carry enough water for that time period of three days and two nights. So now how do we treat water? How do we, how do sure. we live in a more wilderness setting? Yep. And then level three, it's, it's the culmination of that. You know, it's a six day or seven day backpacking trip and you got to pack light, you know, and yeah. so you got to use those skills and everything you learned in the previous two levels yeah. to help you be successful in the, in the, that final level. Um, and before uh, you go on an adventure, do you, uh, I mean, do you kind of pregame it on, you know, what some of the dangers might be? And like you said, having to treat water, um, I mean, do you explain what would happen if you uh, drink some water that shouldn't be? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So in our orientations, we kind of walk through, here's where we're going to go, here's what we're going to do, here's the risks that we're going to encounter. Sure. Here's how we're going to mitigate those. Yeah. We can never eliminate them, no. but we're going to do our best to to minimize and mitigate those risks and our staff are amazing you know at seeing that so when you're paddling whitewater you know you look at the consequences you know if we go down this and somebody tips right here what's going to happen to them the rest of the way down the rapids okay if it's too yeah. critical we might walk that set of rapids or something but if it's if the consequence is you know they're just going to get wet well, yep, yep. go for it yep, try it you know <laughs> so and you also look at the at the students and their skill level and you can kind of go okay you know i know that nate can handle this right mm-hmm. he's paddled this before We've had him for three years with us now. We know what he can do. And so that's the beauty of our program, too. I mean, you look at other environmental centers around the state, and to my knowledge, this is the oldest one in the state. Oh, oh really? On a year-round basis. There was okay. a lot of them that did summertime programs mm-hmm. that started prior to 1970, but you know, we're older than Wolf Ridge. We're older than Eagle Bluff um, by quite a bit on both those. So awesome. on a year-round basis, it's the oldest one. And so our model is a little different than those, and by seeing these kids for such a long time, you really get to know each kid individually and go, okay, we can do this because we know that they've got the skill levels and the, yeah. the mental fortitude to, to make it through. Or some other groups you might look at and go, we can't do that. Yep. They're not going to make it. So then staff is always kind of modifying the trips and, and okay. either moving it up or moving it down kind of so that they're successful yeah. and safe. Yeah. Right. In between, like when you're going on these long backpacking trips, are, are you teaching other things, leadership and things like that too? Yeah, I mean, they have to communicate. They have to work together. You know, it's they're a group when they're out there, and if they're going to come out as a group, so it's important that they work together and communicate yeah. any issues, any problems. And, and longer trips can bring those things to, to the surface. You know, there's right. personalities that come into play. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, you're working through those things. But we're looking at things. I mean, like on a, a canoeing trip, we'd be fishing. So then we're going to talk about fish identification. We're going to talk about oh, how sure. do you fillet a fish, how do you cook it, oh, cool. you know, all these different things as well. So there's gotcha. a lot of things that are built into a program. Yeah, that's awesome. Above and beyond just canoeing. Yeah, right. So it's talking about loons in the Boundary Waters or, you know, glacial lakes. Yep. Uh, and like a program like the ELC, um, conservation must be kind of on the mind of everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, try not to leave too big of an impact when you guys are out there. Uh, are there any things <coughs> you guys do to help with conservation? Um, you know, pick up stuff, pack it out. I mean, is that something you guys are conscious of? Yep. So all of our programs practice what we call minimum impact, which is leaving an area as good or better than the way we find it. So that might mean packing out trash from somebody else. Yeah. That, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not ours, but we're going to leave it better than we find it. Yep. Yep. Um, And so it varies depending on where you go. Um, So if you go to a a coastal ocean region, like we did a sea kayaking trip in Alaska, when you go to the bathroom, you go out into the tidal flats. That's how you handle the waste up there. Okay. In Minnesota, we bury it. You know, so yeah. if we're on a trip and you would dig a hole and bury it if you had to go to the bathroom and yep. in areas in the southwest, you got to pack it out <laughs> or leave it on the surface kind of thing. Those are, I mean, so every area has kind of different approaches to how you have to do it. So it's not a set of guidelines like you always do this. Yeah, gotcha. But we do try and make sure that they practice minimum impact across the board and, and leave it as good or better than the way they find it. Yeah, that's a good practice. Yeah. I even think about like walking across the parking lot and seeing some litter. I'll always grab it and just carry it to a trash can. It's like, yeah. how many people do you think walked past that today exactly? <laughs> yep. yep. Just nope, try and leave it better. You can leave everything a little better than when you found it, I think. Yeah. Um, 
so sea kayaking in Alaska. Yeah. How many trips do you get on? I mean, do you do, oh. you, do you pick and choose? <laughs> the cool no, ones? I, I still do quite a bit. Okay. okay. I mean, I I think I I added it up, and I think I spent about six nights in my own bed in June. Oh my oh, gosh! Wow. You know, between some personal trips and and ELC trips, but yep. yeah, I wasn't home a lot in June, so it was really busy in June. But yeah, it gets a little better. But no, I still do a lot of trips. Um, I still do almost a third of awesome. the trips. So kind of split those up, but. That's and what I got into. That's why I did this. So yeah, right. I didn't want to sit behind a desk all the time. So that's, yeah. No. I was going to ask if you're still getting the same enjoyment and excitement out of it. It's it's my happy place, you know. Yeah. Um, again, turn off the phone. I yep. can't do anything yeah. now. I can just focus on being in this great spot with these amazing kids and you know getting through it if it's bad weather. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yep. Testing yourself still. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's still testing. It's harder now than it was when I was younger. Yeah. And it speaks volumes that, um, that you know, the prior uh, director and then yourself. I mean, that's two people since 1970, right? Yep. And you've had, um, you mentioned Brad and one other instructor that have been there over 20. Yep, Brad and Chad. Yeah, so I think that, Brad and Chad, that's easy to remember. Yeah. Um, I mean, that speaks volumes to the enjoyment you guys get out of it, that people are sticking around that long and helping out. And It is the most tenured staff we've ever had. Cool. Okay. Which is it's pretty cool. So I think we're we're doing something right. Yeah. Um. And they love what they're doing, and they they do an amazing job with kids. Good. Yeah, because young people aren't always the easiest to deal with. <laughs> no. <laughs> they get harder as you get older too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So I was going to ask about sea kayaking in Alaska. Oh yeah. Because that sounds adventurous. Yeah. Uh, where about was it? We've done uh, three different trips up there. Okay. Um, over the years, uh, one was in Valdez, uh, Prince William Sound. Yep. And then another one was out of Ketchikan, uh, which was the Misty Fjords. Okay. And then there was a, a third one. I wasn't on the third one, um, but it was in that same kind of that Whittier area okay. of uh, Alaska. That's like a point A to point B type of trip? Uh, we went out and came back in, yeah. So it was a... Oh. Well, no, not all of them. I will say that we would get a shuttle out on two of them. And then you drop in and start paddling back? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, do you, um, are you out far enough that you can't see land anymore? Oh yeah. Well, it's oh, no. No, you can see land. I okay. mean, obviously, we're we're kind of paddling because we have need to be able to camp every night. Oh sure, uh, oh, yeah. of course. So it's not like we're can't out in the middle float of the ocean. And sleep. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the scale in Alaska is such a different thing. Oh yeah, you know, I can't imagine. You look at something. I mean, I remember when we were doing the the misty fjords, and you looked ahead and you could see this kind of spire kind of sticking up in the water, and it's like, yeah, that's uh, about five days away. Yeah. Oh wow! And it's like wow, what? and it looked like the size of Barnes Bluff. It's like yeah, but it just never got any closer. It right, just yeah. it was always like so far away. So, so the scale up there is different. I mean, bald eagles look like robins. Yeah, you know they're just it's so much bigger up there. So yeah, if you haven't been to Alaska, I tell everybody you sh- you got to see it at least once. Got to go there. Yeah, it's, that's like nothing else we really have down here in the no connected states. No. It's a whole different land. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and it's harsh and it's yeah. It's unforgiving in many ways, but it's it's really, really cool to take a group there. <clears throat> and so you're traveling from here up to Alaska. How do you get all that gear up there? It seems like a lot. Is it a drive thing or a fly thing? Uh, typically we flew. Um, a okay. couple times we flew out to like Bellingham, Washington, and then took the intercoastal marine highway. So you'd hop on a ferry. Oh, okay. And ride the ferry. I think it was an 18-hour ride on a ferry to Ketchikan. Yep. From Bellingham. Um, we've also flown into Anchorage and basically we rent our gear up there then. So, oh, oh, yeah. Right. So kayaks and things we would rent up there because sure. we wouldn't be able to bring those. But in other cases, when we can bring our own equipment, we try to. Okay. It certainly cuts down on the cost and it's we're familiar with what we have. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Because packing that equipment and moving it around, I mean, you need some, that's some logistics there. You need probably a, you know, a little trailer to pull all the stuff around. Yeah, you know, and sea kayaking, you want to pack really, really small and light. So it's there's not a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I think on that Misty Fjords trip, I think I had three sets of clothes for a 10-day trip. Okay. And okay. It, it's called the Misty Fjords because basically it's misty all You're the time. You're wet the whole You're time. You're wet. <laughs> yep. And so the kids, I remember on that particular trip, the kids did a great job of, you know, they kept one set of clothes dry, you know, for when they got to camp and yeah. were going to sleep at night. but. The next morning when you got up and got ready, you had to put those wet ones back on. Oh, that yeah. Is, that is just the worst <laughs> feeling. Oh, I bet. Nice and damp. Oh. And there wasn't a lot of complaints, but it, there was a lot of... <sighs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, staff felt the same way, to be honest. Oh, it's, yeah. It's just hard to put on wet clothes. Oh, definitely. Yep. But that's one of those challenges that you need to overcome out there, and you're all the better for it. Yep. 
Um, I'm not much of a kayaker or really a water guy, but those, like when you're sea kayaking, that's a closed-in kayak, right? Yep. Yep. And then your gear is strapped to the top of it? No, the gear goes in hatches, and it can hmm. stay dry as well. Oh, okay. It's all kind of in these hatches that have covers to them and kind of sure. neoprene covers over underneath that. That's so helpful. stuff stays dry. And then, so even if you roll, your stuff's going to be dry in there. And so that's the point, yeah. If you do roll, then everything stays dry and it keeps the water out. Is rolling uh, uh, something that happens a lot while you're out there? Yeah. I mean, it didn't happen much. In fact, you know, we had on that particular trip into the Misty Fjords, we had one day where we had, I don't know, it was probably eight-foot swells. Oh, man. Oh, wow. So literally you drop down at the bottom of a, a swell and yeah. you could see a couple people that were right near you and you'd come on top and you'd start counting. Okay, one, two, okay, I saw yeah. eight, I saw I saw. Yeah. Go back down, you come yep. up, and you try and count the rest. And oh, it was, wow. You know, but none of the kids felt like they were ever going to tip over. You okay. know, you're pretty stable in those. And they've been on it, you know, that was probably like day eight. So they're pretty competent by then. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we did practice. So we go to the YMCA in town, and we'll practice roles in the pool, kind of in okay. a controlled okay. setting. And uh, so they, they're competent at doing that. Most of them are. Yeah. Not all of them. Right. I think we did that as Boy Scouts. I think we took a canoe in the pool and then everybody had to fall in. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that? Yep, yep. And blow your pants up. Yeah, tie your pants together, <laughs> yep. blow them up, yep. make an inflatable out of them. Yep. The tough part is getting the pants off. Right. <laughs> yeah, in the pool. <laughs> when you're wet. You're right. Oh. Um, what do you got, Nate? I was going to ask about your, I guess I want to call it a motto, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. Is that a motto? Yeah, I would, I would call it our, our motto. Yeah. Okay. I hear and I forget, I see and I remember, I do and I understand. Yeah. That seems awfully deep. Yeah. But it really sums up what we're trying to do in the program. I mean, if you think about how you learn things, you know, if somebody tells you something, you forget it pretty quickly. If you see yeah. it, okay, you remember it a little bit more. But if you do it, it's a hands-on learning program. Yep. So, you know, you try and, and give the kids the, the direction that they need to succeed. Um, for instance, I think I always use this one, but how to cook a pancake. You know, it's yeah. like a lot of kids don't cook at home. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, so they ask you, "How should I do this?" Well, you want to put some butter in there, and then do this, and do this, and you know. But they're going to learn it better the more they just practice it and do it. Yeah, absolutely. Know? So you help them, but on the same hand, nobody's going to starve to death not having one pancake. Right. You know? <laughs> right. And if it's burnt, you'll yeah. know next time to yep. not put it in such a hot spot. Or yeah, you know, it's just it's that hands-on experiential learning that's yeah. such a big part of this program. Definitely. So. Is that something you get to witness then is uh, maybe some of the innovations that these kids come up with and maybe some procedures to make things easier? <laughs> well, there's, we see lots of things. And I, I, the one thing I wished I'd have done since when I started was to actually keep like a, a journal or something. Yeah, now, if, okay. I could, if I could go back 32 years and, and tell myself something, it would have been, you know, keep a journal yep. you know, or yeah. write a book about some of the things you've seen and done. And, you know, too late for that now, but yeah. <laughs> I wish I had done that. Yeah. So there must be some opportunities to, uh, like, use the things you find out there in nature to maybe build a shelter or something like that, right? Absolutely, yeah. Some of our winter camping programs, mm-hmm. that's really about, you know, building a sed shelter, you know, in the bottoms is okay. was our level one program. Or, you know, when you go up north and you have snow, building a, a what we, we call them, Quincy's, yeah. which is just mm-hmm. a pile of snow. You let it set up and then hollow it out. Yep. A lot of work to make. They're wet. You know, you basically are going to lose one set of clothes yeah. mm-hmm. when you're making these things, but they're amazingly warm inside. You know, once you, they stay right around 30 degrees. Okay. So just kind of that 28 to 30 degrees, so right around freezing. But, you know, the sleeping bags that we have for the students are weighted to, rated to well below zero. Yeah. And so they're plenty warm in there. Yeah. You know, and they're soundproof. And, but, yeah. So Very cool. we use those things and for our shelters. Cool. Yeah, because that's part of, uh, I mean, if you just get dropped off in the middle of the woods, you might want to know uh, where to start, yep. <laughs> build a shelter, find some water. Yep. You know, and a lot of times, like with the backpacking programs, I'll have the kids, you know, we work on some map and compass skills. Yeah. And I hand it over to them and say, okay, I'm following you guys. You're leading the way. I'm, I don't know <laughs> okay. where I'm going. Yep. And uh, really? I'm, like, yeah, yeah. I'm following you, so <laughs> don't mess up. Yep. You know? I don't know where we're going, but don't go that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't tell them that. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> I had a kid one time on that trip that that didn't want to treat his water, okay. and uh, I, you know, we talked about that orientation. Like, here's how you treat your water: you can boil it, you can treat it with a chemical, or you can, you know, filter it. Yep. Those are basically your three choices. And he was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. And so the first day of the trip, he brought he brought enough water, you know. So you need at least a gallon a day, yeah, at least. Yep. So I think he brought five gallons of water, which is 
of 40 pounds. <laughs> right. Yeah. And your pack should weigh about a quarter to a third of your body weight is kind of a general rule. Okay. He was at, at half to two-thirds of his body weight, and he was he was hurting. Yeah. yeah. So he started handing out water <laughs> bottles to everybody going, here, take one. Just drink one, please. <laughs> Have some I water, folks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, <clears throat> we took a, we've taken a couple back packing trips, and uh, it, boiling water, I, it always tastes like smoke when you're drinking yeah. it. It, and there was nothing uh, like never anything worse to me that when you're real thirsty and you grab a drink and it tastes like campfire. Yep. <laughs> Try winter camping where you melt snow and oh it, yeah, it absorbs the smoke even more. Oh, does it? Oh yeah, it's worse. Yummy. I think we brought some cool Kool Aid. Kool Aid. Yep, it. yep. It was still like no, now it tastes like smoky Kool Aid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, we did uh, that. That was another lesson learned backpacking too. We were out in Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. We did one of the fourteeners, and um, it was when you've got your backpack on, you need to take a rest. Don't sit down with the backpack on your back because yep. <laughs> it's really hard to get, get back, back up. You can't get back up. <laughs> May as well start pitching your tent. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we had a group that did Mount Rainier one time and they got done with that trip and oh, they called wow. it Backpacking 13. Oh. It was just that hard, they said. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. And so the the rule of thumb you had was what was it two thirds body weight? No, it it should be about a quarter to a third of your quarter body to a weight. Third. Oh, okay, okay. You know you don't want to exceed that one because your your body's just not used to carrying that much extra weight, and all of a sudden you're just throwing it all on there. Yeah. And so that really that third is is kind of that that top level. You really, if you're going to carry that much, that's where it should be at the most. Yeah. Hmm. But again, Mount Rainier, they, you know, they had climbing gear, they had. You know, yeah. equipment. They had food oh, yeah. for a 10-day trip. Right. And then on Mount Rainier, you have to pack out all your waste. So you have a tube on the side that every time you went to the bathroom, it went in your tube. So you really never lost that weight either. Yeah. Right. Right. It's just in a different form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and so there's the minimum impact that kind of the procedure on Mount Rainier. Okay. So, so yeah. So it, their packs, they just wanted to sit down and eat and get them later. Right. So depending on uh, the area you're going, you know, whether you're doing Rainier or you're um, – down in the southwest i mean you need to learn what the wildlife local wildlife is right so mm-hmm. you can protect yourself uh from any happenings there so i mean i think of bears but even um like moose or yeah. a, a herd of caribou they can run you over yeah so that must be a big part of planning right is figuring out what wildlife is is around is do you ever contact like a local uh i don't know who it would be the local dnr or someone to see What's shaken? Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, most of it we know. Yeah. Kind of intuitively, like this is the this is the risk we have. I think, you know, when you when you bring that up, I, the the trip that comes to my mind is we did a, a trip on the Seal River, uh, which is up in up in Canada, and it flows into Hudson Bay. So we okay. were right across from Churchill where we came out, and so the big thing up there is that you're basically in kind of in the polar regions, and so polar bears are yeah. the biggest oh, concern. Yeah. And we're not top on the food chain when there's polar bears around. So no. No. <laughs> um, that was a, a real risk, and we actually trained and worked with the kids to make sure that they all knew. We took firearms with us on that trip, Yep. and we also had these, they call them crackers. They're basically like a, a firework. But you always want to make sure that they went off between you and the bear, not on the other side of the bear. Yeah, right. So that you scared them towards you kind of thing. <laughs> right. But We had those as well, but it was loaded. We loaded them in a very specific order in that you, know, you wanted to be able to shoot right away if you had to. So it was, yep. you know, I think we had two or three slugs and then these crackers. Okay. Um, and you could always eject out the slugs and shoot oh, the crackers so first. the crackers were projectiles too? They were, but they okay. weren't to, to kill anything. It was no. more to scare. Yeah. Okay. So it was one of those things that was like we could jack out some yeah. of the, the slugs. Yeah, if you needed um, to. And so we, when you get close, probably within about 100 miles of Hudson Bay, then you had to start worrying about bears. And I remember laying there and it's like, you know, was that a bear? Yeah, <laughs> uh, was that a bear? No, you just you don't sleep very well those last two nights that we okay. were getting close, and we and got to the bay, and it was really really cool. The kids wanted to see polar bears and they wanted to see beluga whales, and we're like, we can't guarantee we're going to see either one of those. Yeah, yeah. and we came into and Hudson Bay um, is salt water because it's all connected to the ocean, so yep. we needed water to drink, and so we actually before we got to the the bay. We actually put about two or three inches of water in the bottoms of our boat so we could have drinking water. And we'd filter oh. that water so we had fresh water. That was okay. an idea. And then as we got to the bay, um, so the boats have about two or three inches of water in them, all of a sudden these beluga whales like went right underneath the kids' no. boats. And the kids had to stop paddling because they thought they were going to hit them. They were that close. Oh, my gosh. Just right underwater. It's, just this, it's that really light, iridescent yeah. blue. Yeah. And so that was so cool. We're like, oh, we saw polar bear, or we saw beluga whales. Yep, yep. And then we got to this shack and we're hanging out there and... All of a sudden, I hear Brad up on the top banging, polar bear! 
Bears? <laughs> and they were about, I don't know, 200 yards out, but okay. it was a mom yeah. and two cubs, and we got all the kids up on top of the shack, and we had all so our food cool. and guns, and it was really, really cool to see that, though. Wow. So, But it was I was glad to see them then and not like yeah. a day prior when we were still on land and couldn't get away from them. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that was a concern, and that was something we planned for. And uh, there was groups that had been stuck on top of that shack, you know, because sure. the bear had them pinned up there. Yeah, okay. So we were definitely aware that it was a YMCA group that was stuck there. Wow. Yeah. Polar bears are really interesting. Well, they're, yeah. they're carnivores, right? Yeah. Only? Yeah. The, yeah. 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 And uh, they have a they have a grudge. Ah. Um, our shuttle or our kind of outfitter guide that we hired to help us, he worked for the Department of Ministry kind of their version of uh, DNR. Okay. Uh, and he would trap polar bears and move them. Well, they moved them out by his shack out here <laughs> and they could smell his shack and so they'd just trash his shack out all the time because they could smell his odor on there. Yeah, okay. And when they'd get back to town, they'd find his truck and actually trash his truck. No way. <laughs> they were singling him out. Oh, they were. They, <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. He definitely had a polar bears not happy with him. So do you think it was because they got moved just near that shack? They just blamed him for I, it? Could be. I'm Who sure knows? they smelled him when they were moving him too, but... yeah. It's just really, really interesting. Yeah, it is. Bizarre. They're smart. And they then are, he's yeah. the guy you're out there with. The I guy know, they're that's, after. We find that out afterwards. It was like, this isn't, you didn't tell us before you dropped us off, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so then it's a matter of, and no matter if there's bears in the area, I mean, you're, um, one of the big things is to get your food up off the ground, right? Yep. Well, or it depends on the bears. Like, you know, grizzly bears, um, we actually cooked. You know, so when we were in, in Alaska, you know, we had to worry about brown bears or grizzly bears. You'd cook away from your, your campsite. Okay. You'd change your clothes so you weren't sleeping in the same clothes that you cooked in. Oh. You know, you'd do all these things. You'd leave yeah. your food away from your camp kind of thing. Yep. So around here with black bears, we hang your food um, and yeah. different things like that to try and deter them. But ultimately, it's, you know, you do what you can. Right. <clears throat> Ever had any encounters with big cats? I have not. We were just talking about those tonight, but no, I haven't. Okay. We did have one of my staff found uh, a deer carcass up in a tree. Mm-hmm. But oh. the only way that gets there is by a big cat. Yeah, right? drag it up there so, to snack yeah. on it. Crazy. Yeah, that's a little kind of like, yeah, let's get out of here. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there that can get you. There is. But you just try to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about pizza night. Oh. Is that something you're doing to give back to the community? Or is that kind of like recru- recruiting? Or? A little of both. Okay. I mean, I, I think it was we... So, about, God, I think it was 2013 that we bought our site over there uh, okay. from the school over on Guernsey Lane. And we knew that when we got a site of our own, we wanted to have kind of this brick pizza oven. Uh, okay. We'd seen it up at the North House Folk School up in Grand Marais. Okay. And I think they do it weekly up there, but they have interns that can okay. kind of oversee that. We just have sure. three staff, so yeah. we just do once a month kind of thing. But it was just a way to build community yeah. and to bring people together and, you know, share some good food. And we've had music there before. And, you know, sometimes we have over 100 people there. Sometimes we have 20 people. Okay. You know, it kind of really varies. But it's just a fun way to kind of give back and, and help create a sense of community within our community. Yeah. So, but is that a lot of alumni coming back and there has been this summer, okay. um, you know, and our alumni have a lot of kids, which is kind yeah. of exciting. Cause it's like, okay, that means the program is going to keep going here for right. a while, but, yep. but really it, it's, that's not the requirement. I mean, it's, you yeah. don't have to be part of the program. It's open to anybody to come out there and, and just enjoy some pizza. And we just do a, a free will donation. You put in whatever you want. Okay. You know, if you want to put a couple bucks in, that's great. And how often do you do it or how can people, uh, find out we've got it on facebook but it's the third thursday of each month um kind of through the summer may june july august i think i got it in september as well um, but that third thursday kind of correlate corresponds with when we have board meetings and i know i'm going to be oh. in town so it's just yeah. a really easy way to say third thursday yep, yep. so <laughs> perfect uh and maybe we can touch on since we're talking uh, how people can find you how can uh if someone's got uh, kids or, or someone that wants to sign up themselves, how can they find more info on you? Yeah, so it's certainly on the website. It's just uh, redwingelc.com um, is our website. Yep. And Facebook, I don't know the address, but if you just search yep. Red Wing Environmental Learning Center, you'll find it. Just yep. Google it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it should pop up. And our website's got videos and pictures and kind of gives you a real sense of the program. So that's a great spot to kind of look. Uh, but really, it's great. I mean, I, I 
often say that really the first trick is just getting kids through the door and once they're out with our staff and and doing this you know most of them are going to love it yeah you know if they don't have a good time that's yeah i'd be surprised yeah and can you sign up online or is it a call in or is it a show up or what is it it's a sign up online kind of thing um and uh, we have kind of we're getting ready to roll out the fall here it'll go out uh, august 1st and so signups will go august 1st to the 15th but there's always openings there's things changing so you can always call in and, and talk to laura she's our office manager and she'll say yep we got openings in this group or this group or you yep. know and she'll put things out on the on the web or on facebook to try and let people know hey we've got some openings very cool so things are always changing I mean, people's plans change and it's like you know they were available and now they're not so they have to drop so yeah it's always changing and we talked a little bit before we got on air here about the adult programs mm-hmm. um what uh, what kind of programs do you have for for someone that's a little older? So we've, we we do some adult programs and and things that we've done. We utilize like the Two Harbors Cabin for skiing mm-hmm. or biking up there in that region. Uh, we've got a canoe trip coming up this fall in the Namakonigan River, Namakon River, um, and so there's just a variety of options. We've done some ice climbing locally here, like I said. Yep. So you certainly can try that. Yep. And uh, see your, see if you can do that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Test your luck. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, just don't hit the rope with the tools. So yeah, right. That's about the only thing you got to not do. <laughs> don't chop the rope that's holding you, yeah, or at right. least protecting you. Right. Um, and so, you know, someone that might be interested in uh, joining one of these trips or activities, uh, they don't have their own equipment. Is that something you can provide them? Yeah, so really as long as they have their own clothes, and, and a lot of times we have them provide food, um, okay. and we kind of go through that. But all the specialty equipment, like a winter sleeping bag, skis, you know, wetsuits, tents you know rain gear we've got all that that we can issue students so all the specialty stuff we have you really just need clothes okay you know and most people have those yeah 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 maybe not the right ones but (laughs) yeah true (laughs) but but we'll work with them and and, you know help them in any way we can kind of thing so cool we did get a i was really excited we uh were selected for a grant um from the minnesota department of natural resources which is called no child left inside Oh, it's awesome. such a great grant and it was yeah. Yeah. this was their fourth phase of it and we had applied before and didn't get it but we were finally able to get it this year and there was like 140 applicants for this and only 13 were selected and so oh, okay. we feel pretty lucky to have that and so we're really working to try and get a more diverse group of kids out there okay. know, doing what we do kind of thing so it's really kind of a cool opportunity that that we got here okay Th- that grant allows you to provide like financial assistance unto some people basically waive the fee completely for these kids okay so there's no cost wow um, and anything they need to kind of help make it happen there's some gear built into that money as well okay um so we basically can kind of upgrade some of that stuff and and cover everything for them so have you started being able to use that or is that new we did no we just started this summer it was we found out in like april or may that we got it kind of thing so and we've been doing some things we've been working with hispanic outreach um youth outreach and uh, some other groups in town are awesome. working on trying to pull that together. And I think this fall, what I want to really do is actually do some trips. You know, we've been doing day programs. I just want to get them. Oh, let's just grab them and go. Yeah. yeah. Let's just immerse them. In. <laughs> yeah, right. Call it good. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I mean, half the battle is is not talking these kids into going out, but it's um, just letting them know that the program exists, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's kind of the goal is that, they're more aware, and Minnesota, again, is such a unique area to live, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. so it's really the DNR's focus to make sure that every kid has at least an opportunity to learn about this, so. Very cool. Yeah, we certainly have a lot here in the state, a lot of water. <laughs> yeah, Some you? mountains, how big, Eagle is the tallest, right? Eagle yep. Mountain, Eagle yeah. Mountain. How high is that one? I don't know. I don't know the exact four, it's not probably that Probably four or five thousand something, I don't yep. know. <laughs> it's not. It's big for us. Yep. Yep. <laughs> We did that one one time, right? We did. Did we hike that one? Yeah. We did, yep. What a cool spot up there. Oh, that was uh, another question I had was if you guys uh, use that Superior Hiking Trail at all. Yep. Because that, that goes to Eagle, right? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, that kind of goes right past that. So. And you could pretty much start in Duluth and just head up the North Shore. You can go all the way to Canada, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, we haven't done the whole thing. We've done different sections of that. Okay. Um, we've also used kind of some areas over in Michigan for backpacking. Okay. Um and then the North Country Trail, which is another significant trail. It goes from basically Pennsylvania or New York to all the way to the Dakotas right now. Oh, wow. But eventually oh. it's going to go all the way across the northern tier of the U.S. So really? Yeah, it's a really cool trail. That is cool. Um, 
what are what do you think is the longest hiking trip that you take or that you plan for as far as mileage oh mileage yeah. um <laughs> you know i usually figure about a mile per hour kind of thing yep okay. um and so you know and then you got to factor in elevation and things and mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if we did 12 miles in a day i that's a, that's a good day okay yep especially when you're carrying a pack yeah you're going up and down, you know, different elevations. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a decent day. Yeah. You know, if you're f- on just flat, you know, obviously it can be something different. But yep. up there on the Spear Hike Trail, I, I'm happy with a 12-mile day. We've done some 15-mile days. Yeah. Okay. But you know you got to get up early. you got to get moving. Yeah. You know it's going to be a hard day. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose you want to plan for some contingencies in case things don't go the way you want them to go. And most accidents happen when you're trying to keep a schedule. Sure. Okay. You know, so if you can kind of get that out of your head and, and mm-hmm. erase that thought and just go, you know, this is what we need to do and call it as you see it. And that's why I love the fact that we've got such senior and, and you know, well-versed staff. You know, yeah. if it's not safe, they don't go, you know, let's, we're going to stop right here. Okay. You know, that's the deal. Yeah. Um, and I suppose a lot, so it's more of a plan for how many days you'll be out and then cover what you can, get where you can. And if you got to pull out, just contact somebody and we'll come get you there. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so ultimately it's, you know, you got to call it as you see it on the trip. And so we really don't set up like, you know, you are going to do this. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what the weather's giving you or what the kids are giving you or what, you know, somebody's knee or ankle gives yeah. you kind of thing. It's, you know, call it as you see it. So mm. that's a good way to go. Definitely. We had one group, only once did we have an issue. This was with Bruce. It was a winter camping trip. And I remember I was supposed to have gone with him, but I was still in college. And uh, they got stranded in the boundary waters. It rained. They had like six inches of water on oh, top of the ice. Oh, wow. And they just couldn't travel. Yeah. And uh, they were three or four days late coming out. Yep. And uh, you know, I remember talking to some of the parents, and none of them were really all that worried. They, their, their statement that they said over and over was, they're with Bruce. They're okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that, and it's it's still true to this day. I think that, you know, maybe I'm certainly worried, but. They really had a lot of faith in Bruce and, and knew that the kids were okay. It was just, yeah. and they could see the weather. They could see what was happening. Right. But they couldn't get anybody in there to, to check on them. And they finally did make it out, but it was like three days late, I think. Well, don't panic. Right. But he pulled all their food together and kind of basically said, okay, we know we're stuck here now. So yeah. give me all your food. We're going to start rationing this. Yep. They zipped sleeping bags together. You know, he basically did all the cooking and just brought food to the kids, kept them dry. Yep. Um, but he did say it took years off his life. <laughs> so, uh, it's like the worst version of uh, "Are we there yet? Yeah, right. <laughs> Can we leave yet?" Yeah. <laughs> nope, still raining. Nope. Um, is uh, so you mentioned that you do carry firearms once in a while mm-hmm. uh, as a protection. Is um, is a shooting or learning to shoot a part of the program at all? Firearm safety for some programs is a requirement. Um, oh, okay. So if you're doing like a pheasant hunting program or you know, in the in the fall here, we have the the waterfall kind of a youth waterfall day. You know, we certainly want them to have firearm safety if, if yeah. that's at all possible, kind of thing um, for some of those things. But it's not a something we teach. I mean, mm. I taught it for thirty years, but yeah. it was kind of one of those things that we just we required as part of the prerequisites to do this program. Okay, okay. So, but it really so that's just the safety piece of it. Okay, you know, and the just shooting the firearms and how to operate a firearm that's that's what we really worked on with those kids and making sure that they were going to be safe with them and that in that particular trip that any kid could grab the firearm and we knew that yeah they were good to go okay yeah you know because maybe i'd be out of position to grab it and you know nate's closer right right but do we trust nate to get that bear away (laughs) from us absolutely he's going to be plopping those bangers behind the bear (laughs) yep yep. (laughs) (laughs) and the bear will be coming towards us yep. yep Uh, so with the ELC, there is you do do some waterfowl days uh-huh. uh, and a pheasant hunt. You said, yeah, we've done pheasant over the years. I haven't done it for a while, but sure. I was looking at doing this year, but we had a plenty of of hunting and kind of trapping things. So I was like, nah, okay, don't need that anymore. Because the Wildlife League is a partner of the ELC. Yeah, yeah, they support our program. Oh, and, cool. And again, they allow us access to that the bottoms area, which is just an amazing yeah. classroom. Well, because you can walk to it from the from town, yep. <laughs> right? Yep. You can still hear cars when you're there. Yep. What a cool spot. Yeah. Uh, and the and Minnesota set up really well as far as getting youth hunters started. Um, you know, some early season stuff, um, tags that are inexpensive. So yeah, I think. Um, I think Minnesota set up good to do that as well. Yeah, it cer- certainly seems like it. Which gets people out out there and doing these things too. Yeah. No matter what the excuse is, get out there. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, so now none of you out there have an excuse. You can sign your kids up. You can sign yourself up. Yep. Um, and there's <clears throat> financial assistance available for anyone that needs it. I mean, what a cool program you guys have going. I just I feel so blessed to, to be part of this. You know, it's again that shoe company support is just an yeah. amazing thing, and you know, I I sat down with Bill Sweezy one time and I asked him why do you why do you support us? You know, the yeah. board yeah. wanted to know like where do we stand? Do we need to worry? Da, 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 da. And so I sat down. And I said, why why do you do this? And I'll never ever forget his answer. He, he paused for a second. I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> and he goes, because it's the right thing to do. It's, he goes, yeah. it's good for our kids. He goes, it's good for our community. He goes, it's good for our employees. That's why we do it. Yeah. And it just, that just spoke volumes of, of that family, of the shoe company. That's just the mindset is that it's the right thing to do. And so you don't hear that. I mean, yeah. you don't see this kind of a, a, a way of operating in any of the corporate world, to be no. honest with you. It's, no, right. You know, we'll fund something for three, four, five years. Now we're going to go on to the next thing. Yeah. Yep. This has become something that they've just gotten behind and said, no, we're supporting this. It's cemented in. Yeah. yeah. No cuts. <laughs> uh, what do you see for the future of the program? I mean, what do you think will change, uh, uh, or what do you think a, a big change would be in the future for the program? I would love to see more diversity in our program. Okay. Um, it's right now we've got Chad, Brad, myself. We're all three middle-aged white guys. Yep. You yeah. Know? I, we need more diversity in our program. Absolutely. It's, it's something we've had a female staff person kind of come and go. It certainly is a priority. I'd love to see some different ethnicities and leadership roles within our program. So that's, yeah. that's really something that I see as an important thing because if kids don't feel like they're represented and that this isn't welcoming and that this isn't something where people that look like me go to, yeah. they're not going to. And right. so that's really, really important, I think. Yeah, and that grant uh, money will help out as far as uh, getting some more people in the door. Uh, and really it's just to get a start because then um, you know people can share it with their friends and they'll share it with their friends and family and and hopefully it just keeps growing. And that's really our multiplying factor. I mean, you, you hit on something there, John. It's, we take small groups. I mean, our, most of our, our biggest groups are 10 kids, you yep. know, 12 total with a staff and a junior instructor. So we keep them really small. Yep. And our multiplying factor is when they go share that with their family or their friends, and it, it exponentially yeah. grows then. But yeah. it's really about giving them a quality experience, mm-hmm. you know, not the quantity of kids that we run through. And, and fortunately, again, the shoe company doesn't say, you got to run 30 kids each yeah. time, you know. Yeah. Because if they did, it would be a much different program. Right. But we can give them a quality experience, and then they go share that with their family and friends, and that's that's how we really kind of view the multiplying factor. Does the shoe uh, support you in any other ways? Like if you were going to take a big trip, would you contact them? And Yeah, they hey, help us in a variety us, of ways. Fly yeah. us here or fly us there? I mean, even one of the things I'm working on right now, you know, we wanted to, to focus on marketing and how do we market the program better and, and okay. help grow our numbers, which helps grow our fundraising and everything else it all kind of ties to numbers mm-hmm. so i've been working with their marketing department and they said oh, yeah, awesome by all means you know tap our marketing department see how they can help you we'll do whatever we can to, oh, cool. to make this a reality so yeah i meet with their marketing department that's a powerhouse there yeah, too no exactly <laughs> yeah. it's you know i'm an outdoor educator i'm not a marketer so it's, yeah. you go to the people who know what they're talking about that's right so yeah it's all those little things yeah you know social media is helping a lot i would imagine it's, it's, it's such easy an easy way. cheap way to get get the information out there well and even emails i mean we used to mail out the newsletter now we just email it out yeah well there's no cost to that right Right. you know so now we're spending that money in other ways perfect do you guys do other we talked about the uh pizza nights do you do other uh fundraisers we we do kind of an annual fundraising in the fall kind of thing we send out letters and and again most of our alumni or their parents are kind of of that age they love a letter and so we send out letters to everybody to kind of to do that and email but We've done some different fundraisers. Again, when we bought that site, we did some fundraising to kind of pay for that site and the renovation. Um, and then we built a big shed over there. It's yep. 60 by 80 foot. Yeah, nice. and, beautiful uh, spot. It's yeah. an amazing shed. And Again, we've fundraised for that and paid for that. And so the next one coming up is we've got two emerald ash bo- or ash trees that have got emerald ash bore. Mm-hmm. And okay. so we're going to have to take those out. And it's we'll create probably an opportunity to kind of create a new space there okay. um, right by the brick pizza oven so we can kind of do something there so we're, cool. we're starting to dream about what that might look sure. like and you know maybe a spot for kids to hang hammocks and okay. you know, a fire pit and different things so cool very bigger cool. pizza pizza oven so we can cook more pizzas at one time there we yep. go that's wood fired it is wood fired yeah cool awesome we were building uh toboggans this last winter 
Okay. That was so much fun. Oh, I bet. It seems but like so it. we were steaming the ash and bending it basically yep. to kind of get that curve. And we did it as a family program. So basically, a family would come in for a week and build one toboggan for the whole family. But it was such a cool thing to do. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and the, uh, a wood toboggan like that, a handmade one especially, is something that will probably get passed down for years. Yep. And they were able to make a little nameplate to put on there that was laser oh, yeah. engraved. So it had their name. And it's just really cool for a family to do that together. So we had little kids yeah. and they're mom dad you know yep all in there working together on that so it was really a fun project i think we built about 10 toboggans no way last winter and where does that knowledge come from is that someone (laughs) (laughs) do you google it (laughs) youtube is an amazing thing yes it is and sometimes i get in over my head and go oh i guess i didn't know as much about this as i thought yeah Yeah. so yeah it's we figured it out as we went kind of thing but there certainly was a, a learning curve okay and it it goes back to i do and i understand it's like i didn't yeah. know how to do it but yeah we figured it out now we do yeah. you know yeah get, like you said burning pancakes you got to burn some pancakes till you get a nice breakfast yep we yep. burn so, some ash too yep yeah. get in there and <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you building other deal. things down there too and we've built uh, some some cedar strip canoes okay uh, which has been really cool we've had a high school class that comes over um we call it teamwork adventures and they've come over i think we've been doing that for five or six years now um, and that was really a kind of a cool program in that we tracked their referral rates, which okay. is the number of times they get in trouble. And there was a drop of 70% from oh. one year to the next when they were wow. in this program. Oh, wow. So some of that, I think, had to do with just their maturing and finally kind of going, I get it. Yeah. But I think some of the times this was, it gave them a connection to something that they enjoyed going to school for because they knew they get to come over and do this. So yeah. we built fishing rods. Yeah. Okay. We built snowshoes with them. We built canoes with them. So Yeah. These kids, you know, some that don't do as well scholastically in the school mm-hmm. setting, thrive when they are given the opportunity to work with their hands. Absolutely. You know, so, and we're still working on math, and we're still working on teamwork and communication, all those things that are going to be lifelong skills. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I, over the years, you know, Nate and I were never uh, part of the ALC. Um, I, we just were never introduced to it. Yeah. This is before Facebook, you know, so yeah, right, right. we didn't know about it. No. We, but we were fortunate enough to be a part of a youth group that did a lot of trips, hiking trips, skiing trips, uh, fishing trips. Mm-hmm. So we did get out there a lot. Um, but the point was that I n- did know a lot of people that went through the program and continue to know um, kids that go through it. And they do seem just a lot more calm. I mean, after going through uh, and doing some of these trips, and they always speak so highly of the trips they get to go on. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, just overall pretty calm people. So I think that speaks volumes of, of the program and what it can do for a person. Definitely. Because it's not just adventure. It's learning and, and uh, growing these skills and and all those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, Jason, thanks for coming down. Hey, thank you both for having me so much. Yeah, I we appreciate, appreciate this. Thank you. And if you guys need some more information, go on the website. Uh, get signed up for the newsletter. Yep. So you can see what programs are coming out. Uh, give them a call. Get some information. Get those kids out there. Yeah. Learning in nature. <laughs> Boots in the woods. Kids in the woods. Boots, Boots in, in the, the woods. woods. I like it. No child left inside. Yep. I like I that like one. That That's yeah. kind of a cool <laughs> name, isn't it? Yep. Uh, this has been another uh, episode of Just the Two of Us with me, John. And I'm Nate. We'll catch you later. Talk to you next time. <laughs>